Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pittsburgh Sports Memories podcast, and welcome to a special audio extravaganza episode. I am your host, Tim Hannon, and with me as always is the curator of the uh, Hall of Fame of radio and audio clip, Steve Ward. <laughs> Everything was not true except for my name. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as Steve referenced, we're going to do something a little different. This episode is going to be a compilation of audio from the annals of Pittsburgh sports history. Some of it or just the annals of Tim's computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and we, we, we just dug out some, some clips. Some of these clips, you know, they may be familiar. I think a lot of it's going to be stuff that, that folks perhaps have never heard or, or at least, you know, have forgotten about or haven't heard for a long time. So rather than continue to try to explain what this is about, let's jump into some of the audio. And, and this is just a bunch of, again, miscellaneous things that, um, that, that we dug out from the archives. The first one I'm going to start with is a clip featuring Pittsburgh Penguins legend Sidney Crosby. Crosby, of course, is one of the greatest athletes in, in the history of Pittsburgh sports. He's won three Stanley Cups and multiple other accolades. And he was highly touted coming into the league. He was the first overall pick in the 2005 draft. And shortly after the Penguins selected him, he went on The Tonight Show, which at the time was hosted by a gentleman named Jay Leno. And here is some audio from that appearance. Now you're gonna be you're gonna be living in Pittsburgh soon. Have you have you been there? Never been there. I'm going there next week. You, so you've never seen it. We, we we put together a little tape. This is the city okay. of Pittsburgh. Just to maybe reacquaint you when you get there. Let's run that tape from the Chamber of Commerce. Pittsburgh, the steel city, the center of the American steel industry. We've got department stores, restaurants, bus stations, and all around fun. Come to Pittsburgh, the Renaissance city of America. Hey, very exciting. Yeah. I believe those kids running down the hill are all dead now. So... That was, it's kind of funny to hear Sidney Crosby had never been to Pittsburgh before, um, now that he's, you know, played here for 17 seasons and counting. Uh, but yeah, that was Jay Leno, you know, kind of having some fun with some old uh, Pittsburgh, uh, whatever that was, trying to sell the city, Chamber <laughs> of Commerce thing. Uh, I've never, I've never been to uh, Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia, so... <laughs> I guess I guess me and Sid have two things. I guess at, at one point we had something. Neither of us had been to each other's hometown at that point. Not true. Any does Cole Harbor have bus stations and department stores? I don't know. I don't know. They definitely have lots of uh, loonies, which be Canadian dollars. I guess <laughs> <laughs> in in snow. I'm sure. <laughs> so that's some that's some Jay Leno. You know. Uh, comedy at the expense of our nice city uh but yeah funny to hear crosby never never having been to pittsburgh feels like well, a long I mean, time ago i mean name a random say i mean i'm i mean i can't name her i've never been to winnipeg I mean, and they have a hockey team i it's not a surprise that he'd never been here it's just funny to hear that yeah. when a guy is now a, a legend i mean mario Lemieux was the same way i'm pretty sure he had never been here when the penguins drafted him as well so 
I'm not sure he spoke English. He did not. Yeah, he didn't. Right. Or at least not very fluently. I mean, I've been to Atlanta's airport like a dozen times, but I don't think I've ever really been to Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you ever get drafted by an Atlanta sports team, maybe you can have a a similar experience. Well, if I get drafted by an Atlanta sports team, I'm going to be like question their Arthur Blank sanity (laughs) (laughs) or whoever owns the Hawks, I guess, or the Braves, you know. So that was that was Sidney Crosby. Another Pittsburgh legend is Roberto Clemente. Clemente played right field for the Pirates for 18 seasons. He amassed 3,000 hits. And and Roberto Clemente was a very uh, proud man. He was a black Puerto Rican, and he did not like the injustice that he saw happening back then, and he wasn't ever afraid to speak out about it. And here's him relaying a story, uh, actually right shortly before his death, about a time when he and his wife went to buy some furniture up in New York City. And when we used to go around and the people, they, uh, they meet us at the door and they said, what do you want? He said, we would like to see the showroom and see some furniture. So they said that uh, they have one floor of furniture. And uh, so they took us to a real, real uh, place where they, they, they show, the, the furniture that was in the showroom wasn't the furniture that they were showing up upstairs. And I said, we would like to see the furniture downstairs that was in the showroom. And they said, well, you don't have enough money to buy that. <laughs> and I said, how do you know that I don't have enough money? He said, well, but that's very expensive. I said, I would like to see it because I have the right to see it as a human being, as a public that buy from you. So finally, they showed it to us. And I remember I just uh, uh, had some money. Uh, we was going to Europe, and I had some money on my, on my, on my wallet. I have five thousand dollars in my wallet, which I took the the whole amount of money. I said, "Do you think this one can buy it?" <laughs> so they want to know who I was and uh, all this stuff. And uh, I, uh, when they found who I was, so they said, "We have seven floors full of furniture, and we're going to show it to you. And don't worry about it." And right away, I just got mad. I said, "Look, your business is to sell to anybody. I don't care if I'm Puerto Rican or I'm Jewish or I'm whatever you want to call me." But I am Puerto Rican. You treat me different from the other people. I have the same American money that you are asking for, but I have a different treatment. So I don't want to do anything about it. I don't want to buy your, your furniture. So I walk out. I, I looked up the equivalent of the, for the $5,000 in his wallet. I looked up what that would be in today's money. It was about $40,000 that he had, he's had in his wallet. So just walking around with 40K there, huh? Well, and that, that, yeah. Salesman literally lost forty thousand dollars worth of, of you sales. Know, you know what that reminds me of? And did you ever watch the movie Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts? Yeah, that does where, remind me of that. Yeah, like, like where she goes in the store and they're like, "Oh, you yeah. can't afford this," and then she's like, "Oh," and they make her cry. And then, yeah. like, she goes to another store, and like, of course, like Richard Gear like buys her everything, and she like goes back like big mistake. Yeah, like maybe yeah. Port- Roberto Clemente came back later, like with a bunch of furniture. It was like big mistake. <laughs> I just bought forty thousand dollars worth of furniture, ha, ah, somewhere else. But uh, yeah, exactly. That's very similar, and I just I love that story of him just sticking it to that person. It's like, oh, we got all this other furniture that we didn't have before. Right. But, I mean, that was probably like, what, 1972? So, yeah, yeah. Things, were, things were different back then. Things were, but, you know, good on him for not, not standing for the status quo. Yeah. 
Um, so we talked about Crosby and Clemente as, you know, Pittsburgh legends on the field. Pittsburgh has also had a handful of legends in the booth as well. In fact, uh, we did a whole episode about Pittsburgh media legends. So go back and listen to that if you haven't already. And, and I want to play a little game here. Um, Steve, did you ever go to a restaurant when you were a kid and they gave you the, the placemat with the little picture games on them? There was like a maze game or a tic-tac-toe or whatever. And, um, you know, one of the games that I always remember on, on those kinds of things were like the find the thing that doesn't belong here. Okay. Like, like, so for example, there'd be a picture of like a farmer and like farm animals and a barn. And then there'd be like, I don't know, like a cruise ship or something. Right. <laughs> and, and you'd have to circle the thing that didn't fit into the picture. So what I found interesting about these next couple of clips is that there have been times over the years where some of the, the kind of the legendary voices in Pittsburgh sports did not necessarily match up with the sport being called. And I have a few examples of this. And here's the first one, Steve. I want you to see if you can recognize this voice and tell me why it is out of place. The runner goes. The pitch is swung out in line to center field. Here comes Bond. He'll make the catch. Got it for a double play. The throw in time. They got it. I was hoping he would say something like that. I saw I was hoping for a lookout Loretta, but <laughs> it's obviously Hall of Famer Mike Lang. And I knew he did baseball. He he, he said he like he, he didn't think he was all that great at baseball. But yeah, he, he called Pirates games for a very short time. I think it was maybe two seasons in the nineteen eighties when the team was not very good. Yeah, he didn't do the whole season either. I think he only did like twenty or thirty games each time or something. So but that yeah, that was that was great. Hollywood. For for Barry Bonds throwing out a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it, it man, really out of place, but cool to hear him announcing it another sport. Hallelujah Hazelwood. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go to a Pitt Florida State game for our second out of place announcer. And 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 Steve, you'll recognize the first voice in here as being in the right place. But the second voice you'll hear is definitely out of place. Did you, did you say Florida State? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. Well, I know there's another pit game where there will be an out of place person because I remember listening to this person. But okay, it's not. It's not this game. I'm. I'm sure it isn't. But, so, okay. so. 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 I'll play the clip. I. I do want to point out too the the context that you're going to hear. Um, it, we talked in a previous episode about how the NFL used to have this dumb role where if the quarterback couldn't hear well enough because the opposing fans were too <laughs> yeah. loud. Yeah, he could appeal to the referee to to make them be quiet. Remember, like Neil O'Donnell did yeah. that once. They did it in the, the Silver Dome against the right. Lions. Yeah, right. Well, apparently, I didn't realize this. College football at one point had the same role, and oh, that's what you're that's what you're going to hear in this clip at at Tallahassee. Oh yeah, that's going to work. Yeah. Alvarado <laughs> goes to the eye of formation. Second down and ten from his own six. Collins is a flanker right. Marino tells referee Tommy Miller, I can't hear. And again, Miller signals for a timeout and then talks to Marino about the situation. And probably what he's saying is, Myron, we can't do this all night. Now, of course, Pitt is hoping that the real Danny Marino has come out of the closet because that could not have been Danny Marino performing against the North Carolina Tar Heels a week ago Thursday when he threw four interceptions, had all sorts of difficulty recognizing defense. 
Now the public address announcer telling the crowd that the game cannot proceed without a little more quiet. Wow. Nice. Myron. I remember Myron used to have his own radio show, like like a like yeah, you know, like a three hour talk show. And I remember him doing like a season preview one time when Johnny Majors came back the second time. Like, but he did like a review of like a past season or something. So he, he did do some pit games and stuff, but I don't know if you'll have this. Do you, you don't have the Tunch Ilkin Notre Dame game, do you? No, I never realized. So Tunch, Tunch announced that game too. Yeah. Uh, Bill Osborne, I think his wife, either he got sick or his wife got was pregnant and he had to miss the game at the last second. So, yeah, Tunch did a uh, Notre Dame game, and it was, like, very last minute. It wasn't planned. Him and huh. Bill did a, did a Notre Dame game. Pitt ended up losing. It oh. had to be, like, 2000s. Like, I'm pretty sure it was a Rutherford game. It was one of the okay. Rutherford games. Okay. That's pretty but interesting. But it, it was in South Bend, too. It was in Notre Dame. Okay. So. Wow. I didn't I, – I no, that would have been an interesting one to, to dig that out. That is not in my <laughs> list of out-of-place announcers, but that would have been a good one, too. But, yeah, I never – I never realized Myron announced any any pit game, so that was interesting to hear him announcing a, a pit game. We didn't get like a good Myron though, like Mar. Yeah, yeah we didn't. We did not. Could have called the Seminoles the Sema Bungles. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, one last out of place announcer, Steve. Um, see if you can spot who this voice is. Two and two now. Josh Harrison waves that bat. Grounds one inside third down the line. And Harrison rounds first, heads into second. And the ball bobbled out there, but Harrison will just walk into second base with a leadoff double here in the bottom of the fifth. Okay, Doc's like a huge like Pirates fan, so that doesn't surprise me. And remember they used to let just like random celebrities like come in the booth and like call like Pirate games? Do you remember Rick Santorum coming into the like the late, well, not late, but our former U.S. senator? <laughs> I don't not not wishing any ill on our former <laughs> senator. Oh, some people might, I'm not one of them. Um, yeah, he called like a baseball. Like he literally called it. I remember that. Like, like there, it was. I think it was a spring training game. I don't think it was a regular season. So it wasn't like it wasn't like he just came into the booth and they were, you know, talking to him with the announcers like they literally let him call an inning. Well, he was there for a minute because, like, I think they were they were talking. I think it was right when they first got the stadium. I want to say it was like when he he was one of the people that came through with the uh, funding and then like something about remember they used to have immigration issues with some of the players and he would help them out. Like It was something like that, like just. And they were just like being nice to him. He's like, oh, and you know, whatever pitcher kicks and deals for, you know, a strike or something. So I don't know. Good for Rick Santorum, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I I I I do not remember that. Um, that would have been another good one. But as as Steve referenced, that clip you heard was uh legendary hockey announcer Doc Emmerich. As Steve said, he's inexplicably a huge Pirates fan. Not sure why. <laughs> But uh, but Doc Doc was a great hockey announcer. He he just recently retired. Um, definitely not as fun without him announcing. Um, although it's much less stressful. <laughs> I I always I I used to say Steve. I I wonder what the the most difficult profession would be to do with Doc Emmerich announcing. 
like it's got to be heart surgery, right? Heart surgery, yeah. <laughs> Probably like bomb diffuser, yeah, like like yeah, bomb right. tech, you know, like. It's the red wire. Oh no! <laughs> so those were some out of place announcer moments. Let's let's stay on the topic of announcers here for a minute. Um, probably one of the biggest fears that any broadcaster has is thinking that his mic is off when it really isn't. And this can happen to any broadcaster, even the best of the best, like for example Al Michaels. Uh, Michaels, of course, well known for his over half a century of calling the Olympics and NFL and major league baseball. Well, he was calling a Steelers Monday night football game. And the background here is that it was a crappy end of the season game between the Steelers and the Jaguars in 1998. The Steelers were wrapping up a really bad season. Jacksonville had already clinched the AFC central. So it was just one of those games that like they had to play because it was on the schedule. And during a commercial break, uh, his announcing partner, Dan Dierdorf, was asking Michaels about the upcoming halftime interview that Michaels was going to do with Buffalo Bills quarterback, Doug Flutie. And here is the tail end of that conversation, which happened after ABC came back from the commercial break, unbeknownst to Michaels and Dierdorf. And we were going to bleep out what was said for, for our podcast, but it was most certainly not bleeped out when it aired live during the game. Alright. Are you gonna tell them how you're sick of this Boston College stuff? No shit. <laughs> Hollis kicking off, and this is David Dunn from the eleven yard line. Flag comes in and Dunn brings it back out, and another flag comes in at the end of the play. Gotta admire ah. the attempt to just brush it off like nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, back to live action. <laughs> I, guess, I guess Al's not a big fan of Boston College. <laughs> I, I guess not. I maybe mean, he was just tired of hearing about it. Like, I don't know. Is he a big like Hurricanes fan or something? You like Jared Fallon clearly dropped the ball. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know if he was referencing. You know, I mean, Flutie Flutie had play, played for Boston College, of course, and throwing that famous hail mary. So. I, I don't know if it was like everybody asked him about that in every interview and Michaels was scoffing at that. I don't know, but he, he clearly did not know they were back from the commercial break. And then what do you do at that point? You just keep announcing the game. It's like, it's already out there. It's already said. And that was of course the pre, you know, YouTube and Twitter days. So uh, that didn't get, I don't remember if that got a lot of attention at the time, Steve, I, but you know, it, it would get more attention today. I'm sure. Yeah, it's definitely you can't say anything like that ever anywhere. Like, I don't know, maybe not even in your own basement anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, one one famous Pittsburgh athlete you rarely ever hear audio from is Hannes Wagner because they didn't have sound bites or even really sound in film back when Wagner was was playing. Well, what was the jazz? jazz singer was what 1927 yeah. yeah that was so. the first talkie so yeah. right wagner was long retired by then uh so i that's why i found this next clip pretty fascinating it's from 1933 and at this point in his life wagner is a coach for the pirates and he's 59 years old and and the clip begins with him being interviewed and and there's the age old like back in my day 
stuff which you know existed even in 1933 but then it transitions into um some footage of him running practice and he's out there with the players in practice like fielding ground balls and, and turning double plays here take a listen sure glad again to be in this old game of baseball got that old hot sundown beating on you i think a little difference in baseball now between when i started out and what she is now Pitchers got harder work. In other words, they ain't allowed to use a spitball, the emery, and the mud ball, and the shine ball. And now you also need a heavier glove. And I used to wear one with nothing but the fingers on. Now I got to use this padding because <laughs> they come down there just a little bit warmer. All right, come on, Doc. Let's have another, baby. Two, Tony. Come on, honey. Have That's the baby. All right, come on, Cap. One out. Now you got to go. You got to run the wind. Let's go there, Cap. Come on, fine. Now hit the dirt when you win there. Fine start now. Come on, boy. Here we go. Let's go now. Come on, baby. Here we go. Come on. Fly. So he's he's out there. I mean, you can't obviously can't see the footage, but. You know, he he's almost 60 years old and he's out there playing shortstop. I mean, it, granted, it's batting practice, but when he's when he says like turn two, Tony, like he's he's literally turning double play at it, 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 it age 60. So, you know, he, he actually had that job as an assistant coach till he was almost 80 years old. I don't know. I don't know how long he was able to go out there and, and field ground balls, but Hannes Wagner never really slowed down. But it's just interesting to hear his voice. And then hear him talk about, you know, the, the good old days and how things are different now. Ball and the shine ball. I, I've actually seen that clip on YouTube, believe it or not. And I wonder I wonder if anybody was left from the 27 or, well, the 25. I guess that would have been, what, eight years after the, the World Series. And then they made the World Series in 27. So I don't know if the trainers were left or who was even on that team in 33, but. 1933, my goodness, they're still in between the wars. Depression. Yeah, Hitler was elected, maybe. FDR just got elected. Prohibition was just ending. Not that Honus Wagner drank. I don't think he drank. I know he didn't smoke. But he just seems like like his voice. He just like I've always heard stories. He was like just the nicest guy ever. Like kids would come to his door and he would like sign the baseball for him and yeah, that was part of the reason. Like, I think we've told this story before, but like, why his baseball card's so rare is because they put him in cigarette packs and he didn't want any kids smoking. So he would buy cigarette packs and rip up his baseball card out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. A genuinely good person. He was the opposite of Ty Cobb, who he played against in the one World Series in 1909. So, yes. They literally had their good, buy, good guy, bad guy matchup there. <laughs> yeah, very, very different. I, I'd love to do an episode where we kind of explore that era or at least explore Wagner in a little more. Yeah, it'd be fun to come. They, him and Ty Cobb are so opposite. Yeah, it would, right. it would be interesting to do that. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's go. Let's go to a hockey related clip next. Uh, back in the 1990s, the Penguins had just this supremely talented offensive team. But the big criticism at the time Steve, do you remember what what the big criticism was of that team when they played? It was that they didn't shoot the puck enough. Pass the ball, pass that thing around too much. You shoot it. Yep. Shoot, shoot the puck. Always looking for the perfect 
pass and the perfect shot, just put the thing on net. Well, uh, the, the WDV morning show in Pittsburgh um, actually d- did a little song about that. And here is that song. Nice. The mule with the buck, he glides it into Francis, who gives it now to Nedved, who gives it back to Francis. He passes it to Zuboff, who slides it on the boards, back around to Mario, so we must shout once more. Shoot the buck, shoot the buck. Can't you hear a shout? Shoot it? the buck, shoot the buck. We're the experts, do you doubt shoot it? The you might just score, I bet. Pass and pass and pass and pass. Put it on the net. Was that Cren? Was that... Uh, I think it was Scott Paulson. Scott Paulson, yeah, Paulson. Yeah. Paulson. I always thought Paulson was a little funnier than Cren, but that's just me. But um, yeah, yeah that's a classic Penguins. Shoot the puck. I, I like how, like, who was all in that, like, Ned Ved? That was definitely, what was that, late 90s there? Yeah, that would have been, like, 96-ish around yeah. that time, yeah. Yeah, because I heard Ned Ved and Zubov and Francis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Shoot the puck. That's, I, I bet they still yell. I haven't been to a Penguins game in a while, but I, I bet they still yell it. Shoot yeah. the puck. <laughs> Shoot the puck, you jag off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the, like, talk show sports talk show topic to your back then why don't they ever shoot so it was just funny that song about you know like just the <laughs> passes it to francis who gives it back to you know mario it's just that was funny it reminds me of that simpsons clip where they are like showing <laughs> soccer and he's like halfback passes the center center passes the halfback <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, to find, finally find out who the greatest country in the world is Brazil or Portugal. Yeah. Um. So staying with hockey, uh, we heard from a young Cindy Crosby earlier, and I think you know one of the things that has been true of Crosby's career is that he's always very measured whenever he speaks publicly, and you, you never hear him really spout off in interviews or even really show a lot of emotion. I, I mean, that might come from the fact that he was so. Had so much notoriety at such a young age, you know, he was probably well-groomed for all that. He's all business all the time. And that's why I really like this next clip so much, because a couple of years ago, Crosby did an interview for the Spit and Chicklets podcast. If you've never heard of that podcast, it's a pretty entertaining uh, podcast. And it's hosted by Ryan Whitney and Paul Bissonette, who, of course, were both former teammates of Crosby. So in that interview, Crosby really kind of let his hair down. And here's him relaying a story about the time when he lived with Mario Lemieux and his family. Um, one of the best stories I have from my first, I think it was like first couple weeks there, they convinced me to get a dog right away. So I was like, I, I, was, like, this. I, was, like, I was like, I don't know if I need a dog right now. Like, I can barely do my own laundry. So they, they convinced me to get a dog. I have a puppy. So I come back after the game and I smell something. I'm like, what is that? I'm like, puppy definitely like somewhere in the house like i gotta find out where this is you know this is mario's house yeah so i'm like looking everywhere like all over the house finally come around the corner and he's cleaning up all this like everywhere in the kitchen i'm like oh my god i'm like 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 so embarrassed i'm like marilyn is cleaning up my dog dog this is so backwards this should not be happening (laughs) 
Wow, I never heard him swear before. That's what I mean. <laughs> he was very just letting his letting his hair. I've I've seen him mouth a few words on TV when he's in the middle of a game, but not like in an interview. <laughs> yeah. Like in a, an interview setting, he's always very just very measured. And yeah, it was just just him telling that story is very unsid like, and it's a funny story too. Like he just you know he's like living with. Mario Lemieux and he comes in and Mario Lemieux is like on his hands and knees cleaning up dog poop and I just I, I love that I love that that whole exchange it was nice of Mario to just clean up and not take it too hard on him yeah. <laughs> that's why he's you know that's why he's Le Magnifique he can do it all <laughs> he can score a hat trick and clean up a mess <laughs> <laughs> So, so another guy who's very measured when speaking to the media is Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. Again, just like Crosby, it's always a, a carefully crafted, short answers. He doesn't really pontificate, doesn't really say anything controversial. So like the Crosby clip, to me, it's always fun whenever Tomlin is a little more uninhibited. And that was the case after a, a sloppy 2020 game against the Baltimore Ravens. When Tomlin is asked this question in the post-game press conference, uh, Mike, uh, you had uh, uh, some uh, red zone failures and a number of drop passes. Uh, do with you attribute that to anything in particular? Uh, sucking. <laughs> nice. Was that Jerry Dulac? I think it was Jerry Dulac. It, it might have been. been but... Yeah, <laughs> I've heard of sucking. Well. Uh, that's to the point. Yeah. That's like Rich McKay esque. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah, it really. What do you is. What, what, what do you think of your offense? I'm in favor of it. It's like, okay. Yeah. 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 The, the, their execution. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 was yeah, that was um that that was just him again, not not being very Tomlin like, right? Just yeah, we sucked. You know, it's just not something you would hear him say often. So again. Always, always like that whenever you hear kind of uh, that kind of stuff from guys like Crosby or Tomlin. So, yeah, so Crosby and Tomlin, both very measured most of the time. You know what another profession is, Steve, where you have to always be thinking about what you say? It's being a politician. No. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, you know, it's a profession where everything you say is filtered. It's run, run through, you know, uh, polls and 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 the, the certain phrases you have to use. I mean, it's 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 just that's what politicians do. Uh, it's also a profession where you want to be kind of like a man of the people, right? Because you're trying to get people to like you, trying to get people to vote for you, and in, in whatever the next election is. And what better way to do that than by publicly congratulating a sports team who's just won a championship? <laughs> oh no. There's a lot of ways this can go wrong, isn't it? Yeah. There's ways this can go right and wrong. So let's let's start with uh, here's President Barack Obama at the White House after the Penguins had won the Stanley Cup in 2016. It is wonderful to be here. Welcome to the White House. And we are here to celebrate an extraordinary achievement. Phil Kessel is a Stanley Cup champion. Hey. All right, so that that's pretty funny. Yes, he is. <laughs> here, here's President Donald Trump at the White House a year later after the Penguins had won the Cup in 2017. It's a very handsome group of people. In fact, I don't like actually, I don't like standing in front of them. 
first thing you know, we always like unattractive teams, right? <laughs> so that's that's uh, pretty funny too. So yeah, you know, yeah. whether whether you like those guys or hate those guys, I know a lot of people um, are usually fall in one of those two camps. Actually, both of them were pretty funny, yeah, because that's still a joke. Phil Kessel was a yeah. Stanley Cup champion, yeah. The, again, and Trump's the, was pretty funny too, yeah. right? Like th- this yeah. is a good setting if you're a politician because. You've invited the team to your home field as a special occasion kind of thing. You get to control the scene. You get to control the speeches and everything else. And you look great for lavishing praise on the local sports team. So, you know, whether you're a fan of like an Obama or a Trump or, or you're not, Pittsburgh fans still kind of feel good about their team being honored at a national level like that. And, you know, everybody just feels good after something like that, right? Well, I think there are some settings where it doesn't really work that well. Uh, And here's a good example. Uh, This is President Jimmy Carter in the Pirates locker room after they just won game seven of the 1979 World Series. So he's in Baltimore? Well, I guess it wasn't that far from Washington. (laughs) (laughs) The the audio you're going to hear is the end of a lengthy segment where Don Meredith is interviewing Willie Stargell and Stargell's just kind of basking in the moment. He's reflecting on what a great season it was. His teammates are all kind of in the background downing champagne. And here's Jimmy Carter very awkwardly standing right in between Meredith and Stargell. And, and you obviously can't see it in the audio, but Stargell's body language is such that he doesn't know who this dude in a suit is or why he's standing there. And then finally, at the end of the, the interview, Carter kind of tries to like awkwardly chime in because he's just kind of been standing there. So take a listen. We've overcome a lot of things. We never gave up. We refused to be denied. I'm just so proud of each and every one of our individuals and to the proud organization. I'm just still excited. And these guys keep me going. They won't let me, but I'm taking tomorrow off, whether Chuck likes it or not. You, you can handle a lot of stars now, right? <laughs> you get one of your own. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think everybody learned their lesson after that one. Don't to just yeah, invite them to the White House. Right. Invite them to the White House. You get to make yeah. a speech. Like, don't just stand there. Like, especially the locker room, right? Because they're all they're they're celebrating. Like, what, what's what's Jimmy Carter doing there? You know, like it just didn't make any sense. <laughs> very, very odd thing. And like you said, probably probably a lesson learned there that that's not the place you want to go. Uh, was Wal- was Walter Mondale not available? Was he, I think that was his vice president, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. I mean, and, yeah. and J- Jimmy Carter was not a popular president. I don't. I don't remember if. Oh, especially by that point. Oh my goodness! Right with yeah. the, with the inflation and everything else that was happening. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy that has a much better uh, kind of uh, public post. Yeah, op- yeah, opinion post presidency. But you know that that I I'm guessing that did not score him any points. You know. Oh look, Jimmy Carter's there and just kind of standing there, and now he's trying to say something. I'm trying to think too. Like, so this is '79. So when the election would have been the year after that? Oh, not till '80. Okay. Right. Yeah, because Reagan wasn't swallowed until '81. Okay. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. So another setting where the politician thing doesn't really work well is at team parades. Um, you know, and and. Those things are really for the fans, and no one really ever wants to hear a politician get up on stage and do the phony, you know, how about that team, guys, you know, thing. They just don't. So this next clip is from Sophie Masloff, the late mayor of Pittsburgh, who thought it would be a good idea 
to get up on stage at the Penguins 1991 Stanley Cup Parade celebration, and it does not go well. The mayor of the city of Pittsburgh, Sophie Maslow. It's nice that they broke out the Casio keyboard for this celebration. <laughs> nice. That has to be Vince Lashai. I hope. Probably. The whole city is fired up today. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> Didn't you say pens win or something? Pens win the car or something. Yeah, it was. I, I don't. I guess she. I thought she was a bigger sports fan than that because, like, you can hear somebody prompting her say he shoots and scores. So, so. that was Mike Lang. Mike Lang standing right behind her, yeah. trying to like, trying to trying to help her <laughs> to no avail. You know, he's he's. I think what I heard him say there is, say he shoots and scores, that'll that'll get him right there with you or something like that. Like that'll win yeah. the crowd over if you. Use one of my catchphrases, and no, that was not a good idea either. Um, so poor Sophie. I mean, uh, she was on the stadium authority after she wasn't mayor for the longest time, and everybody remember she was the one that had the original idea for a baseball only park, and everybody right. laughed her out of town. And six years later, they were building the or the park she had the exact idea for. So. Right. I think Sophie got the last laugh on that one. <laughs> she did. Uh, but again, ca- kind of like Jimmy Carter, you know, the lesson learned here is that this is not the, t- this is not the setting. You t- don't come to the team parade. Don't try to, you know, be, be one of the, 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 the fans, right. With your, by getting up on stage. So <laughs> not a good idea. And I think that's why now, again, like the more recent stuff we heard with, with Obama and Trump, you know, it's much more controlled environment kind of thing. And, and that's probably a smart move. All right. Um, earlier, we heard the clip of Sidney Crosby on Leno in 2005. Later that same year, the Steelers won the Super Bowl and quarterback Ben Roethlisberger went on the late show with David Letterman. Here is some audio from that appearance. And this is Ben talking about the Antoine Randall L trick play that, that beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. The, the big deal with, with uh, you and Randall L and the pass and so on and so forth, uh, is that a hundred percent? Is that a foolproof play? How many times have you guys done that? No, we, we've done it um, twice now. And uh, actually, there are a lot of parts in it that kind of we got lucky with. Um, I pitched it to Willie. So there's the first part that could go wrong. He could drop it or I could throw yeah. a bad pitch. He has to hand it off to Antoine, which could be a fumble again. Mm-hmm. Then the uh, cornerback was coming, so I had to block him. And a quarterback blocking usually doesn't yeah. lead to success. Uh, luckily, I got him. But then my right guard, Kendall Simmons, fell on me, so I was hurting. And I just happened to look down and see Antoine throw a perfect pass. Well, that's tremendous. And, and I think every play, or at least every other, other play, ought to be something like that. Don't you think so? I think they should have a trick play every rule. Yeah. yeah. So that's Ben on, on David Letterman. Uh, that was kind of a weird appearance because Ben had grown this just, like, ginormous beard for that Super Bowl or for that playoff run. Maybe I can't remember 
how long you had that beard for. But on the show, at the end of that segment, they had somebody like from the audience come shave off his beard on stage. It was just kind of an awkward thing. Obviously, obviously that's pre-motorcycle accident. That would have been like a couple of months before the motorcycle yeah. accident because that was in yeah. between the, those two offs or that the Super Bowl and the next season. So anyway, that, that's yeah. Sidney Crosby on Leno and, and uh, ben, ben on Letterman. Ben on Letterman. Uh, I, hey, I. It definitely sounds very young there. And, he was. He was. It would have been yeah. in his second season. So yeah. Uh, but but again, always kind of cool when and and th- those remember. I mean, those shows. I don't know how big those late shows are now, but at the time, you know, Leno and Letterman, that was a big deal. So it's kind of cool to to see those two guys on there around the same time. Maybe I'm just getting old. I don't really watch them anymore. I don't know. They, I haven't yeah. been up late enough to watch one of those, and I can't remember how long. Yeah, yeah, it's tough when you get up at like five in the morning <laughs> to, to, to to you know make it to like eleven thirty right. midnight. It's like ah, I'd like to get more than like four hours of sleep. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> plus, it's too like it just got so like I don't know. It, it seems like they got a lot more political than they used to be. They always used to make fun of the politicians, but. I guess that's a different topic for a different podcast. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know. Like I said, I have not watched in so long that I honestly don't even know. So um, that that same season that the Steelers won the Super Bowl, the, earlier in the playoffs that year, they beat the Colts in a very dramatic playoff game in which Jerome Bettis fumbled the ball at the goal line as the game appeared to be completely wrapped up. We did an entire episode on that game. And in that episode, we talked about how there was actually a Steeler fan watching that game at a local bar, and he had a heart attack right at the moment that Bettis fumbled. And the guy's name was Terry O'Neill. Unfortunately, he did survive. And here's a news story from back then detailing that incident with Mr. O'Neill. And this play nearly killed him. A Jerome Bettis fumble at the goal line. Bettis is his hero. It hurt me more to see him fumble the ball and to perhaps end his Pittsburgh career that way than us losing the game. It was it was just I more than my heart could bear. The fumble is the last thing O'Neill remembers. His heart stopped. Fortunately for him, two Pittsburgh firefighters were at the bar. They performed CPR and they saved his life. Next thing I know, I was in here and I uh Regain consciousness, and I asked the doctor, "Did we win?" <laughs> I love it. The doctor was like, "Yes." So it's a that, that guy's a, a that guy's a true Pittsburgher. Like your your protein levels are off the charts, sir. Yes, I know, but what was the what was, what was the score of the Steeler game? Let's yeah. get to the serious topic here, but sir. Need serious heart medication? No, I want to know what the score. Did we win? Yeah, Vander Jack missed. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's all I need to know. They, they, his heart literally, like they literally resuscitated him back to life. <laughs> like he was, his heart stopped, and they had to bring him back. And he, yeah, he wanted to know what the score was. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a that's a that's a that's a true Pittsburgher. I'm, I love I'm how bad. there's like some firefighters in the bar. I hope they weren't like on duty. <laughs> <laughs> just like hanging out the well, they had to watch the Steeler game too. So <laughs> maybe they just maybe just called them in every week for playoff games just in case. <laughs> the watch makes sure no Patriots got sick. <laughs> uh, 
that is just a classic moment. I, I, I like Paul Martino too. That was, I think he just retired too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Everybody's retiring. I guess we're getting older. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. End of an era. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the next clip. I've, I, so I've talked on the show before about how much I just loved baseball. And I know Steve, you did too. Uh, growing up in the 80s and early 90s and, and how much we just loved the Pirates. And to me, this was like the theme music of summer. And Steve, I, I want to see if you remember this music. Pirate Baseball is brought to you on KBL. Let's go, Bucks. Eagle Video at Giant Eagle, where you can pick up three movies for just $2 every day. By Capitals Jewelers. Well, I want to go rent a. What year is this? Nineteen eighty three. I want to go rent Ghostbusters and Raiders <laughs> of the Last Ark, and you know maybe Groundhog Day for a little later in the eighties. I don't know. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal on the VHS rentals. There. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to return them. You can't just like press a button on your TV or you know, do people even rent movies from Netflix anymore? I doubt it, but. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I just remember the words. Let's go, Bucks. Da, 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 da. Yep. I yep. remember like thinking cons. It was always like cons hot dogs too. It was like a big sponsor. I remember that all the time. So you could find them at your local Giant Eagle. <laughs> that that music just still makes me happy. It just makes me think of like school was out and the weather was nice and it was like a summer night of just sitting there watching a baseball game. It's just good memories. Just listening to that music for me. Ah, oh, that, yeah. Well, I haven't heard that in a month of Sundays. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I hadn't either. I did. I did dig that out. <laughs> Unfortunately found uh, somebody that had it. Thank goodness for your electronic hoarding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that's a great memory. Another great memory uh, was the 13 to nine Pitt West Virginia game in 2007 at Morgantown. We did a whole episode on that one too. And we talked about, talked about how it, you know, essentially destroyed the big East conference. And undoubtedly for me, the, the best audio to come out of that game was West Virginia head coach, Rich Rodriguez doing the post game press conference, trying in vain to make sense of the absolute catastrophe that had just happened. While the Pitt team, celebrates in the adjacent locker room. <sighs> Picked a bad time to play uh, worst game offensively in years. And, uh, but I'm still proud of them. Uh, that was just so beautiful. I mean, you know, what? why, why in the world would they have set up the, the 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 press conference thing right like on the adjacent wall of the visitor locker room? I, I have no idea. I mean, no one ever accused anyone of going to West Virginia University for the academics. So who, who knows? But wow. But you know, it just that was so satisfying to to not only I mean to win that game and then have him just sit there like just searching for words and you can hear all the pit guys right behind him like wahoo. So I, I still love hearing that all these years later. Well, you know, destroying the Big East Conference was a small price to pay for <laughs> denying West Virginia a chance at a national championship. It was worth it. <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> um, 
we heard we heard from Myron Cope earlier announcing that pit game. And Cope, of course, you know, broadcast Steeler games for many years. So it wouldn't be a true uh, Pittsburgh audio episode without some some Myron Cope Steelers clips. Here are Cope and Jack Fleming calling Super Bowl 13 between oh, wow. the Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. And right before halftime, uh, Rocky Blyer had made a like a leaping catch in the end zone to, to give the Steelers the lead. And that's what they're referencing here. How you doing with the towel? Well, the towel delivers miraculous plays. Would you have expected Rocky Blyer to turn into Nijinsky? Who's Nijinsky? Oh, then Nijinsky was a great ballet dancer. I thought he was a defensive tackle in Notre Dame in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I So the guy that Myron was referencing there is Vaslov Nijinsky, who was a famous Russian ballet dancer during the early 20th century. And here's a fun fact about Nijinsky. During his performances, crazed fans would break into his dressing room and steal his underwear as a keepsake because, I don't know, apparently... Apparently, people were even more messed up in 1908 than they are today. <laughs> but yeah, that I was hope just... they were. I mean, I, I mean, uh, I don't know. Whatever. Weird people are weird people, and <laughs> like, I mean, those ballet outfits don't leave much to the imagination. So, <laughs> I guess people are just overcome with whatever they were overcome with <laughs> lustful thoughts. Uh, apparently that happened. <laughs> apparently that happened like regularly. So, uh, okay. He, he had to like keep stock of underwear or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good for Nijinsky, I guess he had a rep yeah. <laughs> he <did. laughs> street cred, <laughs> but that was, I thought that was a, just a funny exchange there between Copen and Jack Fleming in the middle of a Super Bowl too. So good, good stuff. Did he dance for the Bolshoi? Wasn't that the, isn't that the Russian like ballet? ballet or, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> nineteen oh eight, so that would be pre-revolution, pre-revolutionary, right? Did you say nineteen oh eight, right? Uh, early twentieth, early twentieth century is all I had here. Well, if it's pre nineteen seventeen. Boy, that's under czarist Russia. So, yeah, I don't know. Wow, cool. Very, very different. But yeah. of course, Myron like knew who that was. So I, I thought that was. <laughs> Even that was better. just typical Myron. Uh, Myron called Steeler games all the way into the career of Ben Roethlisberger. Steve, did you realize that I, that he was still calling games when Ben was playing? He was very sick at the. I remember the one game against Philadelphia. He didn't make it because he fell in the shower and like they had to send somebody to his house and find him. Okay, I but, for some reason yeah. I had it in my head that he had retired like well before that. No, he that was his last. Like I think that his last year was the year they lost in 2004 Ben's rookie year he was there for Ben's rookie year but he wasn't there the next year okay Okay. and even Ben's rookie year he was pretty like you could tell it was like he like hung on a year or two or long okay well here is some audio from Ben's rookie year Uh, this is the 2004 Steelers Patriots game the regular season game the one that they actually won Uh, and some classic Myron late career commentary Gets the snap from Copen. Straight back. Pocket collapse. Oh! 30, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10. And he's gone for the touchdown. Perfect. An interception return by the Shea Tablet. And the Steelers are carrying New England. Tom Brady is going for Bethel Johnson. And Bethel falls down. But glad there was an interception from here to Bethel. 
Yeah, like that was his last season, I do believe, because that's Ben's rookie year, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, that was his last year. Because I remember it, that season, he he missed the game. He literally like he didn't show up for a game, and they didn't. They were like really worried, and here he had fallen in the shower. Or no, there was another game, or maybe that was the same year he showed up for a game and he had fallen, and he was like confused and stuff, and they had to take like he had to leave like at halftime. Now that you mention it, now that you mention it, Steve, I think that's what happened. I think he showed yeah. up, and then he like they had to like kind of get him out like, of the boot. Like Tunch, yeah, Tunch was like, "Are you okay?" Because like he was all disoriented and stuff. Mm-hmm. He just was, he just was getting sick, and you know, Father Times undefeated. But that was definitely at that moment he still had his faculty. So that was yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bethel, 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 Johnson, Bethel Park, was, Bethel Park. Yeah, that was yeah. that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Myron, Myron, a big personality, of course. Uh, another big Pittsburgh sports personality was Andy Van Slyke, the center fielder for the Pirates between 1987 and 1993. Here's Andy doing the weather on the local KDK news. The winds are calm, 60, uh, 60% humidity, barometer is 30.31. The PSI, nobody cares, we're not going to take care of that. <laughs> All right, up in Bradford. They're already at 34 degrees, and uh, Cleveland. Let's forget Cleveland. Nobody cares about Cleveland. Nice. Yeah, that that that's that would have been good for ratings. Just have Andy Vance like do the weather every night. I Steve, I always hated, and I and I don't know if they still do this because again, I don't I don't remember the last time I watched a, a local newscast. But the weather was always the most infuriating thing to me because I felt like it it could have been done in 30 seconds. And it took like five, six minutes, you know, and because they had to read like the temperature of every t- surrounding town, they had to like tell you all this <laughs> stuff about the, the 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 fronts or whatever. Like, just tell me, is it going to snow tomorrow or not? What's the temperature? What's the five day? And and now with the internet and phones and everything, like I I don't see any reason why you'd ever really need to watch any of that. Um, but yeah, any events like doing it, I would have watched that for sure. It seems too like they, they kind of went to like the tomato route with the with the weather personalities, and now they've kind of gone away from that. So I, I don't don't know what's going on there, but you're right. They tease it too, like the whole like it'll be like six o'clock, and they'll be like, "Do you want to know if it's going to rain tomorrow? Tune in and like the you know Joe Blow with the weather, and then it's like six thirty. Oh, Joe Blow will be with the weather. He'll be like, "Oh, it's it might rain tomorrow. You might need your raincoat." Tune in to find out when you'll need it. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh goodness gracious! Or just look down at your phone. Yeah. Another <laughs> way to do it. Or stick your head out the window. I, I... <laughs> Either one works. Uh, another well-known figure in Pittsburgh sports history is Chuck Noll, the legendary coach of the Steelers. And Ch- Chuck Noll was kind of the opposite personality of a guy like Andy Van Slyke, right? He was very stoic. He was very businesslike. He was very kind of not real interested in who likes him and who doesn't. Uh, and we know a lot about Noel from his coaching days, obviously. Uh, here's the story about Noel from his playing days before he coached the Steelers. And the guy telling this story in this clip is Chuck Bednarik. Steve, do you know who Chuck Bednarik is? Charlie Concrete. He's uh, He played for the Eagles for a long time. I do believe he's in the Hall of Fame. He's the, the, the most famous thing that I remember him for is the 1960 almost said, almost said Super Bowl, the world championship, which would have been between Philadelphia and New York, where he knocked 
what Frank, uh, Gifford. Frank Gifford out for like two seasons. And there's like a famous photo where like he even apologized kind of he wasn't taunting Frank Gifford. He just it, it was a play that had won the championship for the Eagles. And he was like, this game's over and just kind of pumped his fist. But he, it kind of looks like he's taunting, like Frank Gifford looks like he's basically dead on the ground. <laughs> I mean, Frank Gifford did not play football for two, right? Two Was it two seasons? It was I two think. seasons, yeah. yeah. That hit literally knocked yeah. him out of football for two yeah. whole seasons. Yeah. I mean, now, that was 1960. Maybe medical science marches on, but still, it must have been that bad if, yeah. I mean. Well, I think the point is, Chuck Bednarik was a, a, a tough guy. Yeah. tough guy. I mean... <laughs> He, he played both his, ways, didn't he? I think he. he I think he yes. was a two-way player. He was too, a two-way. Yeah. He was a two-way player. His fingers were like all bent in like different yeah. directions. I mean, he he was just a guy that you did not want to mess with, unless apparently you were Chuck Knoll. <laughs> so let's listen to this next clip. I remember on the fourth down punting situation, I snapped the ball to the punter, and as soon as I brought my head up, pow! Jeez. My helmet flew off, and I saw I saw these little black dots in the in the yellow thing, and I also saw the number. Woo! And I went up to him. I said, "You son of a bitch! I'll get you." Number sixty-five was Chuck Knoll. The feud grew over time. Four years later, there's Chuck Knoll. Lo and behold, the game's over. Here he comes. Here he comes. He said, are you ready, you? And I went, whoom. I mean, I gave him a shot, and he went down. Bert Bell fined me $500, and he said, I want you to apologize to that boy. Now, it takes a little courage to go up to somebody when something like that happened to say you're sorry. So I remember it took uh, i was waiting and then finally i went over and i i said i want to apologize for what happened in uh, philadelphia and he came up close to me and he said bullshit <laughs> so burt bell was the owner of the eagles right yes he, he, he was, or, was he commissioner yeah. too yeah he did own the eagle didn't he he, he he did but i think at that time he was the commissioner which is why you find him yeah yeah and then and wow, and no wasn't wasn't hearing it from Charlie Concrete. Yeah. And so so he not he gets knocked out by Noel, waits four years, and then doesn't it like why didn't you just hit him during the football game? Like I I, I they, maybe they didn't cross paths that game or Noel didn't like Noel was like what a substitute, right? He was the guy that would bring was he the guy that would bring in the play for Paul Brown, right? Because they had to be playing the Browns, right? It would have been it would have been Cleveland, yeah. I, yeah. I don't I don't know why it took four years for them to <laughs> And then know, not but, to do it during the game, like after the game. He, that's why he got fine. He does it during a game, nobody would have cared. I mean, right. No, yeah. no, I, I don't know. I don't I mean he didn't elaborate on the history there, but I just love the I just love the 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 animosity there and the like you know I call it like yeah I, I know they're making you apologize so <laughs> BS uh yeah Chuck Chuck Noll again just was not a person that that you know tolerated people he didn't like so and you saw that with you know Jerry Glanville years later and, and stuff like that. So that was just an interesting insight into his character like when he was a player. 
So good story there from from Chuck Bednarik and Chuck Knoll. Imagine what that happened uh, today. Oh my gosh! Like Aaron Donald goes and like punches I don't know some random player. <laughs> That'd be horrible. <laughs> well, it, it couldn't happen today because it would it would just be hyper um, covered, and you certainly wouldn't have you know four years between whatever. <laughs> yeah, we've had some feuds before. I mean, I. I look at like Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett a couple of years ago. You know what happened there? Yeah. I mean, you just st- stuff like that is just it, it, if if anything happened like that today, it would be again hyper covered. There'd be suspensions. There'd be all kinds of stuff. So uh, let's wrap up this episode with a little Pittsburgh sports top forty. Here are some Pittsburgh sports stars. Uh-huh. Right there, Casey Kasem. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Here are some Pittsburgh sports stars who embarked on music careers for better or for worse. And we're going to start with Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw actually recorded six country music albums. Six. I didn't realize that. <laughs> he had a top 40 hit, I think, with one song. Well, is this, yeah. This is, is, this, is this the song? Yeah. Yep. The, the, his biggest I'm so lonely was, I could cry or something that, like that. That's or, the yeah. one. Here it yeah. is. He made the Billboard Top 100. It's actually not horrible. Yeah, this is 1976. Is it, isn't that a joke like in the uh that David Allen Coe song that like it doesn't have mama or a train or a pickup truck? And it literally had a train in it. It did have a it did have a train in the lyrics. So uh Terry crossed that off his bingo list for country music. So uh wow. I, I guess that was not as good as I I mean it, it it wasn't a horrible like musically like musically I don't like it because I'm not a country music fan, but like you know what I mean? It's like not so bad. You're like you're not embarrassed. Besides, it's just not not my style. Yeah, it, it's a little dated yeah. too. I mean, country music yeah. sounds a little different today than than it did then. And but you know, I think right. that's he, a cover. I think down. I think that's a song from like the fifties or forties. I, I think like, you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's actually so it's even older than 1976. But yeah. yeah, that was Terry's biggest hit and six albums. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh. Years later, another Steeler superstar would put out an album of, of his own in a, in a slightly different genre. Here is legendary rapper Le'Veon Bell with oh, Making Moves. I'm making these moves, I do what I do, these niggas is doomed. They thinking I'm sick like I'm catching the flu. I'm so out of orbit like I'm on the moon. I'm trying to run up some bitches, I'm trying to see who all with it. I'm not one place in these women, I got the rest from beginning. I told her I want to hit it, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, that was not good. <laughs> I am I am no by 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 no means a hip hop expert, but yeah, that was that was pretty bad. Uh let's mix it up with some rock alternative. Here's former pirates pitcher Bronson Arroyo. It can only get worse. <laughs> wonder, Wait a minute. I 
I guess. And I love that. And that's like my favorite Foo Fighters song. And Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you recognize that song, it's Everlong by the Foo Fighters. Yes, you are correct. Arroyo's album was, in fact, all cover songs that he and his band performed. So, I mean, I, not bad, it wasn't. But... It was better than Lovey on Bell. At least it was on <laughs> key. I mean, it wasn't like phenomenal. I definitely say Terry definitely had the best song so far. So, yeah, I agree. And, and like that was just like a crappier version of Everlong, like it, you yeah. know, so yeah. it, nothing really to, to write. I guess about. at least Bell's was an original composition. So yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah. I'll give him that. That's true. Yep. He um, was making moves. He was making moves. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily the right moves, but he was making them. <laughs> millions of moves that cost you millions of dollars. But <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, last but not least, let's hear from Sean Gilbert, the Pitt All-American defensive <laughs> oh, tackle who was the third overall pick in the NFL draft. And the uncle of Darrell Rivas, right? I, I do believe. Or, Is he? I didn't know he's that. yeah. yeah. Uh, well, here's Gilbert performing the song, You're My Boo. Hey, what's up, Q? Oh, man, nah, nah, I ain't messing with y'all tonight. That's D-Rich. I'm looking for my boo. Have you seen her? Oh, there she go. Yes. Oh, man. Woo. I think I just got love drunk. It hits you just like that. Make you feel like, like this, listen. Ready or not, here I come. And you, I think I'm love drunk, intoxicated by your smile. Look out, Luther Vandross. Wow. So smooth. So I, smooth. That actually wasn't bad. That I mean, <laughs> that was definitely dated because it's definitely from the 90s. But his voice actually wasn't horrible there. It wasn't. It was better than I would say I put that up with Terry, if not uh, just as good as the Terry Bradshaw. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and if, and if, I don't know. Was that original? I don't know if that's an original song. I don't. I don't know. But uh, but uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It, I mean, I don't know if I. You know, it's not going to make it on the radio. But so yeah. you didn't channel your inner Casey Kasem. Eh, it's our top thirty <laughs> countdown. Uh, <laughs> you you could definitely do a lot worse there than Sean Gilbert did there. No so. long distance dedications or yeah. <laughs> And he, maybe Le'Veon Bell could give a long distance dedication to his uh, playing career. <laughs> uh, poor Lev. We love Terry him. could give one to his uh, sanity. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, there, there you have it, folks. The, uh, the Lost Pittsburgh Sports Audio Collection Volume 1. Uh, order now on cassette or CD. <laughs> Steve, any last um, thoughts? It's coming soon to a national record mart. So <laughs> go to your local national record mart. You can buy it on cassette. <laughs> on cassette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All these audio. We'll have a mixtape of all these clips we played here today. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, hope hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, something a little different. Just tried to, to pull some audio that, you know, uh, folks maybe hadn't heard before. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, if you'd like to continue to support the show, please um, go out and, and give us a review on whatever podcast service you're listening on. Please um, tell others about the show. Uh, check us out on the web, on Facebook, on Twitter, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>